0: Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit podcast. it's by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sunny D. It's been a while, but it's back. It's our first episode of 2021. I want to thank you all for the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. Uh, it has been a while. I guess the last time I had Jess on board, we talked about our newest little arrival. Uh, as all of you know, I am a brand new dad to a wonderful little baby boy, uh, code named Little Harundi is here now. Um, that's, and that's him crying in the background. He is here, uh, in studio, A.K.A. my kitchen breakfast table. Um, but he's cute and adorable and always welcome on the studio. So, yes, uh, if you heard that in the background, that is little D in the background. And he has been wonderful. I uh, just recently celebrated his two-month birthday on Saturday. So, happy birthday to my little guy. Happy two months. Uh, best two months of my life. He has been absolutely wonderful. Anyway, uh, I guess one thing I haven't really talked about lately is poker. Woo! Let's talk some poker. Uh, So, I guess the last time I would have talked poker, let's see here, I guess a few episodes ago, um, when I broke down the idea of the uh, official WSOP main event, a.k.a. their second main event of 2020 that uh, just concluded. Uh, Spoiler alert, Damien Salas won. So, it was a winner from the international leg, ended up getting it done heads up. Uh and we'll talk about this event. We'll recap it from what I uh, understand has happened. Um my thoughts on it. Uh we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some other things going on in poker. We've got the Daniel the versus Doug Polk Heads Up Battle. Um what else do we got? We got yeah, we'll just talk about poker uh today. So anyway, uh biggest thing there is uh yeah, so we had the uh hybrid twenty twenty main event. Um, which, I mean, already there was many a question, a concern regarding not so much the legitimacy of the event, but almost the delegitimizing of the quote-unquote main event winner in the summer, Uh, especially when he posted uh, the official certificate he got from GG Poker and I guess the WSOP, um, even signed and acknowledged by Daniel Magradu. This guess is GG Poker's first ambassador, I'm not sure. But uh, regardless, uh, yes, he um, says you are the 2020 main event champion. Then this other hybridized main event happens where uh, you were playing two main event fields, uh, an international field, a U.S. field, or a.k.a. the domestic field, um, where the final tables would be played live. And then the winners of each of those would then play heads up uh, for an additional million dollars, as well as the gold bracelet, uh, quote-unquote gold bracelet, it's the main event bracelet is always fancy. Um, I've seen what I saw. There were some pictures of the bracelet, uh, so it's a typical main event fancy bracelet. I don't know necessarily how I feel about it. I have some mixed feelings about um, watching and, and seeing this unfold. Um, it wasn't without controversy. Uh, Apeshka De Silva, multi-time bracelet winner, um, made the final table and ended up getting disqualified because of a positive COVID test, um, meaning he actually got paid with ninth place money, even though he was seventh or eighth in chips. Um, terrible, terribly unfortunate uh, set of events for Apeshka, um, especially considering... Um, on paper, was probably the was the best player left in that field out of those nine. No disrespect to the other eight players. But, I mean, Peshkin Silva is a multi-time bracelet winner. Um, I believe he's actually won bracelets like the last three WSOPs. Um, if not the last four WSOPs, I think he's at least a three-time bracelet winner. Uh, and it would have been kind of cool. A true, you know, if he had won it, um, I don't know if it would have been necessarily – it legitimized this, name, but it would have been neat to see, you know, a bona fide name brand player get the job done. Um, would have been cool. It was sad what happened to Apeshka. Uh Very unfortunate. Um, and again, kind of creates a bit of a narrative now surrounding the 2020 year, right? A, a year of weirdness um, that translated even into poker. Um, I don't know that if WSOP even did a player of the year, um, how that would have worked. Uh, but uh nonetheless, uh would have it been it, it's interesting because now Damian Salah did win it, winning the international leg. Uh would have been interesting had he have had to go up heads up against Upeshka. Uh we'll never know what would have happened there. We will never know what would have happened if Upeshka had played. Maybe Upeshka would have finished in seventh or eighth or ninth place, uh or maybe he would have won the domestic event. But we'll never know. Regardless, it's um It's over now. We can all look forward to 2021. Uh, WSOP, I think, is wrapped up. Um, What was cool, though, um, about 2020 and this whole um, main event was that the WSOP had a set of events going concurrently, um, which was called the uh, WSOP, I think they called it the main event. Um, Oh, what would it have been? Anyway, regardless, I don't know if it actually happened now. I'm trying to find uh, any kind of news on it. Uh, let's go back to card player here and see. But there was, yeah, here we go. World Series Poker. Yeah, so the Bally's main, um, main event mania. So I don't know if it was an official WSOP event now that I think about it. Uh, but it was um, first time kind of live poker with the entire kind of gamut of games, so to speak, or at least a good gamut of games um, being played live. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Um, you know, I was, I myself had some debates whether I wanted to go down and play. In hindsight, I didn't. Um, I have no regrets about that. Um, it's it's funny because you're away from poker for so long, like going into twenty twenty one now. Like by the time I probably sit down at a table to play true live poker, uh, at a competitive level, it'll be almost two years. Like that's pretty crazy when you think about it. Two years. Uh so yeah, you do get a little in your head a little bit about playing poker. You're like, Hey, is this uh you know, there's an opportunity to go play. I want to go play and there was some good buy ins. Um, but what I liked about it as uh, I continued to grow my uh my gaming arsenal is that it was the first time you had um that I'd seen live like this at a lower stake buy in on um, the wider gamut of games. Like they had a horse event, they had uh Omaha eight, they had uh nine game mix, triple stud, big O, horse, uh triple draw. Um they had the gamut, which was nice. Um, you know, you could play some TLO. or if you just want to play fucking No Limit Hold'em. You could do that. Um, it's funny because even though it's probably my least favorite game, I'm not gonna try and either side. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could go for a good no limit hold of tournament beat now, but uh now that uh we um now that little hood and D tier, um we might have uh some more opportunity to go play live poker when that comes. Um vaccines are rolling out, I think a little slower and a little messier than originally anticipated. Um, so yeah, it comes down to at this point, just everybody trying to stay safe, trying to stay healthy, um, and places trying to mitigate risk staying clean, um, whatever. But nonetheless, uh, it was, it was nice to see at least being offered at least, um, that there was, um, these events being held. Um, well, yeah, they did go by cause there's results. Here you go. So, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Um. There we go. We had uh, yeah, so Bally's main event yeah, neat. Um, but hmm, let's see here. Ah, look at this. Ah, really cool. Really cool. Yeah. So they did. It did get off. Um, I say went off with a bang, but uh, yeah, it uh, appears not bad. So I don't know how big the field. Yeah. So there you go. So, the nine game $1,000 nine game makes a twenty six entrance. So, yeah, I mean, we're still a long way away, in my opinion, from having big, huge massive fields. Like, yeah, $400 no-limit hold of to the tournament, then we'll hit 25 entrance. Like, right, that's pretty uh, – uh can't remember the last one I've ever seen that. Triple stud had <laughs> one of the most at 45. Trying to see it. No, no names I um, recognize, but still good job there. Uh for triple stud. Let's see, horse here, thousand dollar horse, sixty-three players. Uh, no names I recognize, but yeah. So we're we're I mean we're hoping to turn a corner. I don't know what twenty twenty one holds in store for live poker. Uh I feel more confident with whatever limited knowledge and understanding of the world I have, um, in suggesting that, yes, if there is going to be a live poker tournament season, I could see this year they could logistically maybe start to plan for later in the year um, versus trying to fit it in um, now. Um, I could see, you know, trying to fit it in in the spring and summer. I could see – that possibly getting pushed back um especially yeah so like usually you see rumblings or something you know something nothing really uh so yeah it uh, this is the year that i could see maybe we're i mean we're just in the beginning of january only 18 days into january but uh we could see it possibly in the fall i think that's going to be your safest bet if anybody out there is thinking, Hey, are we going to have a WSOP this year? Are we going to have any of these other events that, you know, live poker, I could see it maybe at the earliest of planning for September, October. Um, uh, but again, it comes down to vaccination rollout. Uh, we don't know how quickly people are going to be getting vaccinated in the States. We don't know how quickly people are going to be getting vaccinated up here in Canada. We don't know what travel looks like. Um, and it's funny because we talked about twenty you know, when you're on social media a lot of the talk and narrative about you know, as the as twenty twenty was wrapping up, they're like, Oh, I can't wait for 2021, 2021, you start to see these things that was like these memes about if you thought twenty twenty was bad. Um, to put it in perspective, in twenty twenty we didn't start in the cave. Twenty twenty one we have. Like that's kind of reality right now. Um we're starting uh twenty twenty uh one in the cave um, yeah that, that's reality that's that's the world we live in, but nonetheless, I hope there's live poker um at least now we're starting to see with proper precautions and stuff we're trying to see the return ish of viewable live poker um poker goes being able to have a couple of things like Daniel the and doug Polk, they played the first i think it was two hundred hands or two hundred fifty hands um live against each other and then the rest of their challenge has been played online and we'll get to that in a little bit. Um high stakes poker is back. Uh poker after dark is bad. Or is not bad is back. Um, so I guess yeah, with proper precautions, testing, um you're able to have this. I don't know the I I haven't really seen any mask wearing or what I have seen, I haven't seen them wear mask other than the staff and dealers. Um but the players haven't um and then they've also had this high stakes feud um heads up battle thing um which i don't know if they were supposed to bring in other players as well if it's going to grow if they've decided ah, maybe that wasn't as popular as we thought it was going to be but it was this heads up kind of thing which i thought hey this is the start i've i've long talked about how i'd like to see more heads up poker play um the name brand uh players um it was uh phil hellmuth and Antonio Svandiari, I believe they played three matches and Phil Helmuth swept, um, he swept the magician. Um, and there was a time not that long ago where I truly wouldn't have thought that was the case. I, I wouldn't have thought Helmuth um, could beat Antonio. I felt that there was a time where I truly felt Antonio would have been, um, one of the best in the world. And some people might get on me like, Oh my God, Sonny, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do know what I'm talking about. Um. And yes, I do feel his results are backing it up and uh just watching the decisions his thinking on um, the plays he would make. Uh I do feel at the time at the stakes, the higher stakes, Antonio Escandari was one of the better players. Um, uh, but you know, Phil Helmuth is Phil Helmuth. Like we can sit here and people can rag on Helmuth as much as they want. Put it in perspective. A lot of the narratives of this year's NFL playoffs have been, like, comparing Tom Brady versus the rest. And I think it was going into the divisional round, Tom Brady had the same number of Super Bowls himself as the remaining quarterbacks. Tom Brady had more wins against different teams than any other quarterback had wins, period. So he had beaten more different teams than any other quarterback had just playoff wins. Um now um, I'm trying to think of who – so Mahomes and Rodgers um, are the only two I can think of that are quarterbacks with Super Bowl rings. They have two. He has three times as many Super Bowl rings as the rest of the field. Like it's just – when you put this into perspective, like – and we talked, GOAT Brady, um, with the word that Drew Brees is probably retiring um, after yesterday's game. There was some talk going into these that These were going to be last. Um, It basically now opens the door for Brady, when it's all said and done, will set most of, if not just about every single quarterbacking record, Um, especially for a guy that, I mean, true, true underdog story. Like The epitome of just perseverance, believing in yourself. Um, I know people love to hate on him, but I mean, just comes across just a genuinely nice guy. Like, what is there to dislike about Tom Brady? Um, anyway, Tom Brady, uh, goat, goat Brady, Phil Helmuth is like that in poker. There's most of the time Phil Helmuth will play at a final table to put it into perspective. You truly need an elite final table for the rest of the final table to cumulatively have as many bracelets as Phil Hellmuth, and every time he wins a bracelet, he keeps distancing himself. The only way it could really be done now is, yes, if he was at a final table and Phil Ivey and uh, Johnny World Hennigan were the only other bracelet winners there, then yes, they'd have tied, but to put that in perspective, you're taking two other of the all-time greats put together, have as many. Don't even have more, have as many. You know, you talk about players that are actively playing full-time WSOP events um, that are currently still winning bracelets. I mean, Phil Ivy, I think his last bracelet was in 2014, um, and it was in a $1,500 eight-game mix, I believe. I could look that up. Uh, but that's seven years now since a bracelet. Um, and let's look up Daniel Negreanu. I think Daniel Negreanu is even longer. I think Daniel Negreanu is about six or seven years now without a bracelet. Um, so we're going to take a look there. Uh, regardless, uh, when I talk about currently winning bracelets, I mean, like, let's take a look at within the last little bit and that are actively... Um, oh, and Phil Ivey does have a WPT title. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, Phil Ivey's last bracelet came in a uh, $1,500 eight-game mix. Um, as a matter of fact, his last... Four bracelets have all been some degree of mixed game. Um back in oh nine it was a it was a Omaha High Low, seven cards That hilo, which is a great game. I love that. Uh, those are great events. Um uh, then horse and that twenty two hundred dollar mixed event, I'm not sure what that was. Um and then eight game mix in twenty fourteen. Uh, 2014. uh oh, oh, nine, he did win two bracelets there. Uh oh yeah, two thousand two was when he won three bracelets. Uh, jeez Louise. Uh, and then, uh, wow. By 2005, he had already won five bracelets. Um, anyway. Uh, regardless. Oh wow, cool. Sammy Farha has beaten him heads up for a bracelet. Uh, that's interesting. Um, I mean, the guy's the guy's a machine. Um, his heads up record for bracelets is ten and four. He's a seventy one. Uh, uh, winning percent point seven one four, winning rate, um, just unreal. Um, and just like even his non-Texas Hold'em results, uh, twenty four caches, nineteen final tables, ten wins. Like, uh, oh my god, beast. Um, and Texas Hold'em, thirty two caches, uh, still respectable, eight uh final tables, but no wins. Um, no. Including he beat the great Emerald Slim for his first bracelet. Uh, but Huckleberry Seed has beaten him heads up. Sammy Farha, that's still an interesting one. I, I I wouldn't have thought that, but uh Sammy did it. Uh but then again, Sammy's been known for his Omaha prowess. So anyway. Uh and Daniel is six time bracelet winner. Let's see when his last one was. Twenty thirteen, June one. So seven years they're going on eight years. Um, Jesus. I guess he won a World Championship Online Poker event in 2016, uh, but we'll get into those. My thoughts on online versus live poker. Anyway, yeah. So people that haven't been winning versus, I mean, the grind does play a full schedule, so I'll give him some credit there. But um, if you take the guys with, that have the that that play the that are winning bracelets and or. The, don't really play full schedule anymore. So you take out the Doyles, the Johnny Chan, and the Ivy. So the three guys with ten bracelets. Um, nobody has nine. Um, Eric Seidel has eight. Men in the Master has seven. Johnny Moss might have eight. Billy Baxter might be up there with seven or eight. Um, I don't think anybody has nine. But I mean, Men in the Master isn't playing a full schedule anymore. Men isn't. Um, Billy Baxter sure as so hell isn't. Eric Seidel does play a lot of events. There's no two players actively that just the two of them total Phil Hellmuth. Like put that into perspective. So, shit on Phil Hellmuth as much as we want. Um, the guy is the goat in WSOP poker. Period. WSOP tournaments he holds most records. Um, and the 16 bracelets don't. All right, what is he at? 15, 15. Sorry, bracelets. Um, sorry, he's at 15 bracelets. I do apologize. I keep thinking he's already gotten to 16, um, but he has 15. Uh, yes. Uh, Phil Hellmuth is 15. So yes. So take a Johnny Chan. So take a Johnny Chan and a Daniel Ingram. You have one more bracelet than Phil Hellmuth. Like what? Um, he 15 bracelets, 57 final tables, 154 um caches and is a main event winner. Like, um, crazy. And especially if they come and probably the hardest event to win bracelets in because they are always the uh, widest spread in that, um, in in Hold'em. So, 89, 90, 93, he won three bracelets. Uh, 2003, he won two bracelets. 2002, he won... 2012, 12, he won two bracelets. And, yes, I was there, actually, when he won it in 18, um, 15. So, I mean, this is a guy who's won bracelets in four decades. Talk about relevance. Um, and, yeah, he, uh, they so had this thing with him and Antonio Sfandiari, um, smoked Sfandiari, S- um, uh, for the win there. Um, it was kind of like, actually, they had this thing, uh, live at the bike, I think it was, or one of those, um, things, uh, had a four man King of the Mountain heads up thing and it was uh Phil Hellmuth. uh I wanna say um it was Phil Hellmuth, Doug Polk I wanna say Jungle Man and I wanna say uh Frank Casella in the first one. Um I could be wrong but it was something like that and Hellmuth won it. Like it was just like this is what he does. Um so I mean the guy the guy's a winner. Uh, so, yes, in, in turn, it shouldn't be surprising, but at various times, yes, there are times when somebody is favored. Even though Phil Helmuth has accomplished all these things, but there are peers that are currently better. Um, when it comes to AK Mix, yes, I would take a Michael Mizraki over Phil Helmuth. I would, I would take that every day. Heads up, I'd probably, I would bet Hexy over Phil Helmuth. Um, and, yes, there was a time, and even now, I, I would have thought Esfandiari might have been able to pull a trick or two on Helmuth. But Helmuth showed up, got the job done. Um, so I don't know how it works, if they're going to try and bring other people in to challenge um, how News now that was. he was kind of the winner there versus Esfandiari. But again, great premise for a show, great um, idea, just a little less follow-through. And I guess in the times of COVID, it's hard. Um, gotta get. I guess people commit to quarantining, uh, the negative uh, COVID test, all these things. So it's a big ask, but... Um, it could be something interesting to follow up, especially as you see more of these online challenges, like the Galphon challenge, like the high-stakes feud, as they call it, um, or whatever, the, the high-stakes grudge match between Polk and the Grinning. Um, I would love to see more of these take place heads up uh, in person. I'm a big fan. I, I've always preferred live poker. I, uh, I've advocated for that. I've long felt there's just more to the game when you're playing live versus online. It's you, you're there to compete. You don't have the aids of anything other than maybe your music on your phone and that's about it. Um, I'm not saying it's necessarily cheating or anything, but yes, when you can pull up charts, when you can have a friend there, when you can have your wife there, when you can have anything, when I can have, you know, access to my liquor versus whatever liquor they're gonna have at the casino, like whatever it is that can that changes the environment and to give you a bit of an edge online, you don't have those things in person. It's about making the most in the battlefield, and that's what I like about live poker. You show up to the arena, you play. Um, very different. I mean, it's like esports. I guess I get that it's taken off, but nobody's gonna tell me that being playing NHL 2020 is the same thing as actually putting on a pair of skates, getting some gloves and a stick, and going and playing hockey. It's not the same thing. It it just isn't. Um, yeah, you might have the same, you know, you might have a great hockey IQ and whatever, but to perform and do the same thing, it just isn't even close. Um, I don't think there's a there's a strong argument to be made that e athlete um, is the same thing as a live athlete. Yeah, you can be the best Madden 2000 player, the best Madden 2020 player. It's a different story when you're going out there and Derrick Henry's got the ball and running fucking at you and you have to make the tackle and you can't press X, Y, Z, um, triangle, square, whatever the hell it is. It's a, different, it's a different environment. I think it's the same thing with live poker. When you got to sit there in that seat two hours between washer and breaks, you know, you get – you know, you get a big hand trying to control your reactions, all of these things, trying to ga- get a read on people. It's very different than playing live. When you can kind of, yeah, you do get to hide behind the consp- uh, computer um, screen, so to speak. Um, but regardless, um, live poker is what we've got for right now. Um, whether we like it or not, that's what we're stuck with. Uh, or online poker is what we're stuck with. So, yes, I think this high this, – heads up show challenge environment that they created on poker There could be a great way to kind of see more of these. I've said this, I've done previous episodes on it. Um and yes, we do have the ga um Galphon challenge that I'm looking up right now. Um I guess the current one. Um, so Chance Cornith was up on him and now Phil's taking over on uh chance and is beating him. Um, the Bill Perkins one kind of stopped a while ago. Um, I think that was the second one he started after the Venavidi one. Um, the Venavidi one was the uh, most interesting one because that's where he was down like a million uh, euros and came all the way back, uh, which is just insane. Um, yeah, he beat whoever Action Freak is. I'm not sure who that is. Um, and still hasn't, um... Started a challenge against uh Jungleman Cates or uh Brandon Adams. Um, I love how I guess Rent Wants is his site, so I love the narrative there, our hero. Um, which again was kind of the problem I had with some of the online commentary is the narratives. Uh narratives um in a lot of poker commentary as well is something we can talk about. I'm not a big fan of the the idea of, oh, this per you know, we have. The narratives that get created, yeah, let's just keep it at that. The narratives that get created during poker commentary. Um, I do feel it's very biased uh, a lot of times. I'm not going to single out anybody. Um, I'm not going to do that. Uh, just because, just out of co- professional courtesy and, and content creator courtesy, I'm not going to do that. Um, but, I mean, these people know who they are. But even when I was watching the Galphon Challenge versus Benavidi, a lot of the narrative was, oh, can Phil come back? Oh, our hero Phil, Rudon Phil. Why the fuck can't Benavidi be the damn hero? What if I'm fucking Benavidi? Like, what if you're Benavidi and watch this show you're like, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a nice guy. Why the fuck can't I be the hero? Maybe maybe fucking Phil's the, the damn villain here. Maybe I'm the fucking hero and I'm taking one from the bad guy. And I'm not saying Phil Galphon's a bad guy. That's not at all what I'm saying. Got nothing against Phil Galfon. But it's those narratives. Automatically Venavidi's the bag. Automatically Phil Galphon's our hero. Oh, we gotta root for Phil. Can he come back? Why can't the narrative just as easily be unbiased and be like, can this guy, Vanavidi, whoever he might be, beat Phil Galphon, a rec- one of the recognized top PLO players in the world? I think all of Phil Galphon's, I think he has three bracelets, all come in Omaha variants. I know he just won one a couple of years ago, and I believe a 10K Omaha uh, high-low. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, where was my – I'm pretty sure all three of his bracelets um, is, I, um coming in Omaha variants. Uh, no. Huh. I'm shocked. Um, two of them do. So in 2008, he won his first at Potlum in Omaha. Um, and then 15 was no limit, Deuce to seven single draw. Um, and he has actually commentated on that event. Uh, if you watch the archive footage on Poker Go I uh, do seven. I've looked a lot watching. And I, you know, I love listening to commentary. I do try to learn as much as I can from it. So I'm not sitting here and shitting and saying, oh, the commentary is all awful. It's just that narrative that gets created. And then, yes, in the pot limit, uh, Omaha, high, low, eight or better. Um, for me, I think that's just a fucking tough game. Other people might be like, oh, that's not a tough game at all. I think it is. Um, everybody's gonna tell us their opinions. Some people might think Hold'em's a hard game. Some people might think Stud's a hard game. Some people might fucking hate Raz. To me, my le, I, I I think Omaha, I I think uh, PLO eight is a hard game, um, and a tough one, and I have a lot of respect for people that win that bracelet. Um, uh, and yes, so in 2018, that's what Phil Gaap got his last one in, and then in 19, that bracelet was won by um, oh. Fuck! I'm drawing a name, a blank on the guy's name. Um, Nick Shulman. Um, great commentator, by the way. Uh, that's one thing I will say. I about Nick Shulman, Phenomenal commentator. Phenomenal poker IQ. Uh, if it was somebody I could sit out there, one of those top, um, name brand players, sit down, have dinner, have cocktails with, and just talk poker. Um, and I would love to have a guest on my podcast. Um. He's definitely one of them. He is absolutely, truly uh, one of the most brilliant poker minds. If you have the chance to listen to Nick Shulman talk poker, do it. Just fucking do it. Um, that's my best piece of advice. If you want to become a better poker player, you want to become uh, more knowledgeable about poker, listen to Nick Shulman. You'll be happy you did it. Um, but yes, that's... Uh, um, he won the 10K, uh, 08 in, uh, 2019, uh, which was funny because Nick Shulman's both of his previous, uh, bracelet came induced to seven, uh, single draw. uh, regardless. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So that's kind of that, um, <laughs> where can we go? Yes. So the Polk Negreanu, uh, grudge match has been going on, um, Let's see. Here we go. Um, Polk is current was up quite a bit. Um, Degran had ba- um battled his way back as they've kind of restarted uh, after the halfway point. Um, where are they at? How many hands have they played? It's twenty five thousand hand battle. I want to see how many hands there are through. 16,500. Okay. Yeah. So coming back after the halfway point, um, there was an option for either player, for the the player that was behind to pull the plug and be like, yeah, I'm done. Um, But uh, Daniel Grant said, no, I'm going to see this to the end. And he started to battle his way back, get five winning sessions in a row. Um, But Doug ended that recently this week um, with a couple of big sessions. Um, he did, on his last session, he took a 26K win, and on the previous one, he had a $119,000 win. Um, and this was actually, fi- this was after Daniel Legrano had gone up about $100,000, I believe, after the first 250 hands live poker. Um, Doug Polk uh, has now uh, taken a lead of almost $630,000 through 16,500 hands against Daniel Magrano. Um each buy-in quote-unquote is forty thousand. i believe is what they're playing um what are the stakes they're playing 200 400 so yeah they're playing 100 big blinds deep um which is which is quite deep that's that's pretty deep so you're playing 100 big blinds deep or you're buying in at 100 big blinds deep um from what i understand dan going like actually have to go down uh to the rio because plan are going to com. you have to actually go down and reload his account um just because yeah, you're down a million. Um and you were only able to load in a million at a time, from what I understand. Doug's clean is cleaning up right now. Um, I do think I, I, I don't know where their personal relationship is. I don't know where that is anymore. Um, I mean there's been a lot of heated words exchanged back and forth. When they did play live, what we did see on Poker Go was they were fairly cordial together. It was it was actually funny because a lot of the narrative and a lot of the talk online afterwards was like, huh, for two people like apparently hate each other, like Doug wasn't that like taking as many digs in person as he does online. Um and especially after Daniel jumped out to the big lead, um, which immediately kinda got taken apart. Now, um with that, of course, um, folks jumped ahead and and going into this match, I think that they said Doug was about a four to one favorite uh, to win, um, it would appear that that's kind of looking like a fair line right now. Um, we are ha- more than halfway now. Uh, we are what about half and a half and a quarter? Um, yeah, we're about a quarter of the way through the second half here. So, no, sorry, third. We're a third of the way through the second half. I apologize. Wow, my math is fucking bad today. Uh, we're about a third of the way through the second half here. Um, in terms of matches, so there isn't much time left here for Daniel to kind of turn things around, uh which is kind of funny. It's kinda of like how you in a way when it comes to poker you are trying to close out is it, you know not make mistakes at this point for doug um and just kind of close out again Daniel I don't know how many tricks he has in the bag and let, you know to pull this one out um, I think at this point it'll be a matter of trying to trim. Uh, the deficit, and try to make it close. Uh, I think if, let's say, this match ends at about a $1,000 win for Doug Polk, I think it would kind of, in a way, be regarded as a bit of a win for Negreanu, uh, because Negreanu did, by a landslide, win the line portion, which he felt, which many people felt he had the advantage in. Um, I don't know where that comes from, but uh, nonetheless, they just experienced, they just live bracelets. Um, even though we're talking six and three, and I believe all three of Doug's have actually come since Daniel has won his last one. Uh so Doug has more recent bracelets than Daniel Negrani. So that's kind of something to consider as well. Um including Doug actually I believe has made a couple of good runs in the ten K heads up at the WSOP. Um compared to Daniel who I don't think has really made that many great runs in the ten K heads up and has actually missed the event in the past. He missed it in 2018, um, I believe it was um, because of the Golden Knights having a game, whatever it was. Um, I don't know if he played in 2019, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was 2018 that he missed it. So it is what it is. Regardless, um, I'm, yeah, because that was the year I played it, and I don't think the McGrady was in the field. Um, nonetheless, I, I mean, it is what it is. If you're signing up for these buys, you have to be prepared for every player. I, I would have been just as prepared. Actually, I probably would have been more prepared to play Daniel Negreanu than I would have um, the, my opponents at the time. So it, it's, it's kind of funny in a sense um, in, in that regard. But nonetheless, uh, I don't know why, but a lot of people felt Daniel Negreanu would have the advantage live, and he lived up to it. So if he can trim this deficit down um, to something completely marginal there to almost being like – it's essentially even within an error range. Yeah, it's tough to say that that isn't a win for Daniel, um, given the talk pre-match and all these things. Um, However, in the grand, absolute value thing, a win is a win. Um, Regardless, whoever gets it done, a win is a win. Um, No different than the Galphon Challenge versus Venavidi. All of that, all that long-extended match, and he wins 1,600 euros. All of that for sixteen hundred euros, like imagine being in for nine almost a million dollars, well over a million because it was in euros and so over almost a million euros, and then <laughs> the battle it back a win's a win, a win's a win uh it doesn't matter who' cause at that point it's pride um but yeah, so that's kind of where we're at there um I don't know really what else is interesting going on uh, in online program said, we touched on the galphon challenges um. I mean, we I, we talked about the WSOP 2020. I don't know what really there is to talk about uh, there. Other than uh, Dan Bilzerian was, I guess, semi-recently announced as a GG ambassador. Um, a lot of mixed feelings there, I'm sure, amongst pros. Um, I mean, Dan's had a lot of his friends come out to be like, oh, hey, this is great. It's a the game. Whether it isn't or isn't, um, by just uh yeah, it's yeah, so here's the team you have De- uh day on the grand who hen Belzerarian uh Ilki ilkipellier, fedor holt and felipe ramos um actually, I have played events with Felipe but nothing and yeah, and then they have the rest of the GG squad um and I don't. I'm trying to see if I know any of these people. These are these must all be, like, guys that play on Twitch. I'm guessing. Um, yeah, I don't know any of these people. Um, oh, there's a Canadian, though, Patrick Tardis. I feel like I've heard that name before. Um, but, yeah, I'm assuming a lot of these people. Um, Kevin Martin, I guess was on Big Brother from the Sun. I don't, I don't know who these people are. Um, so I do apologize and no offense to any of them, but the big name players, yeah, you've got Dan Bilzer and Daniel Legrand. Daniel Legrand was the first one. Then, uh, I think it was Elkey. Uh, then I believe it was Philly Bear then Fedor Holt, but I could be wrong. Uh, but, uh, Fedor Holtz now, uh, two bracelets. I don't know if Ramos actually has any bracelets. Let's uh, check that out. Um, hmm. yeah, I, don't, I don't know if he has any bracelets, but seems like a nice enough guy. Um, yeah, i played at his table before. Nothing bad to say against Felipe, so nice enough guy. Uh, Dan Bolzerian, uh the king of Instagram, um, you know, all of these talk about, you know, um, you know all this talk about all this money he's made playing cash games, I don't know, but it is what it is, um, you know, if you like it, great, if you don't, so be it, um, but yeah, I think that pretty much sums up everything going on in poker, there's been no news about any other live events being announced, um, live poker up here in, in lonely old cold Winnipeg is dead for now. So it is what it is. But, uh, yes, I am back. We are back now for 2021 here on the Seems Legit Podcast. Again, I do thank you so much for the continued growing support. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Uh, and hope you liked the guest appearance by my little guy. Uh, who again, two months. Yay. Um, can't really do much other than be cute. So, uh, we love' them for that, and uh I thank all of you so much. much love to all of you uh if you're already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and instagram at the dudes otherwise, take care, and bye- bye for now.